Amen. Thank you, ladies. Let's take our Bibles, open the book of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. While you're turning there, I do want to make mention, I know I don't mention it often, but um, there is an Israel trip that is going to be taking place at the end of January, and so if you're interested in um, going to Israel with Dr. Al Stone uh, and the group there. Um, the dates have actually changed. It's not February 14th anymore. It's, uh, I think it's like January 31st to uh, February 10th or something like that. But if you're interested in that, please let me know and we can get you some more information about that. Uh, it's a, really an incredible trip um, going to Israel. And so if you're interested in that, please let me know. Uh, John chapter 3. And um, our course, our theme for this year, our theme verse is taken from verse number 30. Uh, John chapter 3, verse number 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And uh, last week we were looking at um, really kind of going back over our theme this year, um, he is greater than I. And in order for Jesus Christ to increase in our life, uh, we really looked at basically there's just two things. If Jesus Christ is going to increase, there are two things. What was the first one? What was the first one? I must die. Really simple. Three words. Can you do it with me? I must die. Right? And then the second one is what? He must live. Really simple. Three words again. Right? I must die. He must live. Right? If Christ is going to increase in my life, then I must die. He must live. I'm trying to make it simple for you here. Right? I'm really trying to make it simple. Okay? Um, and those are, that's something that we, that we really need to think about, right? If Christ is going to increase, then I must die. And, of course, that is referring to dying to the flesh, not physically dying. And he must live. We must allow him to live through us. As we come to John chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 30 down to the end of the chapter. It says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. And he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that we can come this morning, Lord, just to worship you, Lord, just to think of these songs that have been sung, Lord, of of you and what you can do through us. Father, I pray now that you just use the message to strengthen our hearts, encourage us, may you draw us closer to you. Lord, convict us where we need to be convicted as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we're going to begin a new series. Um, We kind of finished our series uh, in John chapter 15 of Abide in Me. And uh, through this year I'm really trying to stay mainly in the book of John. Obviously there is not really the time to preach through the whole book of John. Uh, It's just such such a large book. But most of the messages I'm trying to bring Sunday mornings are through the book of John. And I want to begin a new series here in John, um, kind of starting with this as the foundation this morning. Uh, This new series is entitled Greater Than. Greater Than. And obviously, you can put 
anything you want to after the end of that. Because what we're going to see this morning through the Word of God and through this series that we're going to be doing is that Jesus is greater than anything that you and I will ever go through. He's greater. It doesn't matter what problem you're going through. It doesn't matter what difficulty you're going through. It could be health. It could be financial. It could be family. Uh, Whatever it might be, we have to understand that Jesus is greater than any of those things. He's greater than. This is going to be a great series as we go through some of these things and look at how Jesus is greater than anything that we could ever go through and how we can get victory over some of these things because some of these things we're going to be looking at are things that the devil really wants to use to try to discourage us, right? Um, Whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's hopelessness, Uh, You know, all these different things are things that the devil tries to use to discourage Christians to to quit and get away from God. Uh, And so we're going to look at how we can get victory over these things that the devil and the world uh, tries to use in our life. And uh, but this morning, uh, let's just lay the foundation, shall we? This morning, we're not really going to look at a specific thing that Jesus is greater than, although in the next few weeks we'll, we will be looking at some things. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't miss, uh, because these are some things that I believe we all go through that I think will encourage us and help us that we can get victory over them to see that Jesus is greater than them. But this morning we're just going to kind of lay a foundation for this, because if we don't have the right foundation, if we don't believe that Jesus is greater than then when we look at specific things, they, they really won't mean anything because we really don't believe that Jesus is greater than those things. Hold your place here and go back with me to chapter 1. Chapter 1 of John. Of course, the Apostle John is the author of the Gospel of John here, and he is introducing Jesus And of course, as he introduces Jesus in John chapter 1, verse number 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so John immediately begins to tell us who Jesus is. Jesus is the Word. And that the Word, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. He was with God, and he was God in the beginning. Jesus has no beginning. He's everlasting. We understand when we talk about what many times people refer to as the Trinity or what the Bible calls the Godhead. We believe in one God, but that one Godhead is in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each individual, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. They're each three individual persons, but make up the Godhead. John is telling us that Jesus, the Word, was in the beginning with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was in the beginning with the Father and with the Spirit, because Jesus is God. He is God the Son. And so John introduces Jesus to us, and then he also introduces a man to us by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a man that was being used of God. We looked at this a little bit last week. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one chosen by God to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And in chapter 1, 
We have to remember there are two Johns here. There is John the Apostle who is pinning these words. But then there is John the Baptist who is actually the one speaking these words, right? And so in John chapter 1, verse number 25, this is uh, being asked of John the Baptist, right? And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? So they're asking John, basically, who do you think you are, right? Who are you? That get, who do you, why do you have authority to baptize? If you're not the Messiah, because he's already said, I'm not the Messiah. He says, I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not Isaiah. I'm not one of the great prophets. Uh, he says, I'm not any of those people. Then they say, well, uh, who do you, who are you then to think that you have authority to baptize? And watch, notice what John says. John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is whose coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. So they're asking John, who are you? Who do you think you are to be able to do this? And what does John do? John does not talk about himself. John talks about Jesus. They say, John, who do you think you are to be able to do this? He says, well, I'm, I'm nobody, but let me tell you about somebody. I'm a nobody, but let me tell you about the one who's actually right among you. He said, there's one standing among you. Now watch what he says about this. Verse 27. He says, he it is who's coming after me is preferred before me. Whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. John says that this one that is coming after him, this Jesus who we know he's speaking about, is preferred before. Before him, John says that this one that is coming after me, this Jesus, is greater than I am. Now, we know John was, was a great man. John was prophesied about. John was chosen by God to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. But John says, I'm nobody. Let me tell you about who is somebody. Let me tell you about Jesus, because he is greater than I am. He's greater than I am. In fact, he says, John says, he's so great, he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I'm not even worthy to undo the latchet on his shoes, to be able to take his shoes off. He is so great, and I'm so nothing, and I'm not even worthy to do the least of things in taking off his shoes. Do you know why many times as Christians we get discouraged and we get depressed and we want to quit on God and we want to quit serving God? Is because we don't have the attitude that John had. John said, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. And somehow, for some reason, we think we're somebody. Oh, no, we wouldn't say that out loud. No, 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 of course not. But in our hearts, we sure do. God, who do you think you are asking me to do that? God, you're wanting me to teach children? (laughs) I'm too good for that. God, you're wanting me to uh, clean the church? (laughs) Don't you know what kind of education I have? God, you're you're wanting me to go out and and tell somebody about Jesus? (laughs) You see, what, what, what is the problem? We think we're somebody. And when God says, hey, this is what I want you to do, we say, no, sorry, God. Guess what? You're not greater than what I think I am. 
John said, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I wonder if that would be our attitude. God, I'm not worthy to untie your shoes. If you, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. Because I'm nobody. I'm nobody. In verse 31, back in chapter 3, notice what John says here. Again, John the Baptist speaking. He says, he that came from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth, but he that cometh from heaven is above all. Notice, John says that Jesus is above all. Twice he says that in one verse. He is above all. He is greater than all. Uh, When we think about that greater than, yeah, you could put anything behind it, but let's just kind of be kind of general this morning. He is greater than all. He's greater than anything that you and I can ever go through. He's greater than anything that the world, you, man, you look at the world, the world is a mess. But you know what? Jesus is greater than that. He's greater than it all. Why? Because he is above all. He's above all. So why is Jesus greater? Now, we understand in verse number 30, John says, he must increase and I must decrease. And in order for Jesus to increase in our life, two things have to happen. One, I must die. Come on, three words. That's it. Just three words. I must die. There we go. All right. And then the second thing, three words again. Very good. You guys are getting it. All right. But why is he greater? Now, we would obviously, you know, we we could stand here and say, Pastor, that's obvious. I mean, he's greater because he's God. And that's true. There's no doubt about that. He is greater because he's God. But John gives us some things here this morning to show why he is greater. And again, if we don't don't have this foundation, if if there is not that that true belief in our heart that Jesus is greater, we're going to miss everything else that we're going to look at these next few weeks. Why is he greater? Notice, first of all, he is greater because of where he's from. Did you notice what he said in verse 31? He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth, but he that cometh from heaven is above all. What's he saying? John is saying Jesus Christ is not from here. He's not from this earth. He is from above. He is from heaven. And because he is from heaven, he is above all. He is above everything. If you hold your place here, uh, just kind of flip back maybe a page. It might might be right on that same page. Notice in chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus says in verse 13, no man, Jesus speaking here, hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Jesus says, I am the one that came down from heaven. Yes, we understand that Jesus was born in a manger. He was born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary. We understand that. But Jesus is saying, I'm not from here. I'm not from here. I am from heaven. I came down from above. I did not begin in Bethlehem. I am everlasting. I have always been. That's what John said. In the beginning was the word. The word is with God. The word was God. He is everlasting. He has always been. And he chose to leave heaven, 
the, the perfect, righteous, holy place and chose to come to be born in this sin-filled world. Do you know why he chose to do that? For you and me. He chose to do that for you and me. Now, let's be honest. If we were God, we wouldn't have done that. But that is why he is greater than you and me. Because he chose to leave heaven and come to this earth to be born. He chose to put on flesh and blood. He chose to come so that he could live a perfect life and die for our sins. He left heaven. He says in chapter 8, verse number 23, and he said to them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, of, you are of this world, I am not of this world. Jesus says, I'm not from here, I am from heaven, I'm from above. He made a claim that no one can ever make. Look in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Notice in verse number 38, he says, for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He just said, I came from heaven. I came down from heaven, not for my will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the father's will, which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone uh, which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I'll raise him up at the last day. Now watch, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? That's a great question. They're, they're all standing around. They're like, wait a minute, we've seen this guy. He, we've seen him as a child. We've seen him grow up in our town. I mean, let's, let's, let's just make it real, right? Okay? Let, let's just say that one of, these, one of these young people in the church, right? Um, let's just say that one of these young people, I mean, we, we've seen them grow up in the church, and, and, and we see them become a teenager, and then we see them become a young adult, uh, you know, I, and, and all of a sudden, at 30 years of age, all of a sudden, they start, uh, man, they start teaching, and we're like, man, this guy's really good, and then all of a sudden, he says, by the way, I just want you to know, I am not from here, I came down from heaven. Really? You came down from heaven. Dude, we, we've known you all your life. You came down from heaven. We know who your parents are. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? They said, look, we know who your parents are. Now, we understand Joseph was not his earthly father. We, we understand that we understand Jesus was virgin born, but let's put, put it in context here. You're saying you're from heaven. It'd been a little bit hard for you and me to grasp that, don't you think? Let's not, let's not be like, well, they just should have believed. I, and if I would have been there, I don't know if I would have believed just that. You know, if I'd have seen this young, young child grow up and become a teenager and become a young man, and now all of a sudden he says he's from, he's from heaven, and I'm like, yeah, but I've seen you your whole life. 
But Jesus is making a claim that no one else ever claimed, that no one else could claim, that he came down from heaven. Sure, they had a hard time believing that, just like you and I would. But he's saying this, I came down from heaven. And that's why he says here in John chapter 3, he says those, those that are of the earth, they, they speak of the earth. Jesus, you, you're from heaven? Yeah. And that's why John tells us in John chapter 1 verse 14, speaking of the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ willingly came to this earth. And, and again, we can only understand earthly things because this is where we're from. But Jesus understands the heavenly things because that is where he is from. That's why for us to be able to understand anything about God or heavenly things, God had to reveal them to us because we'd never be able to understand them or figure them out. Yes, you can look at nature, you can look at creation, you can see there is a God. We believe that God created everything. It, did, it just not, did not evolve over time. God created it. There is a creator. No one would look at this pulpit here and say somehow that this evolved over 10 years. I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody would say that, right? This did not evolve. Someone had to make it. Someone had to make it, right? And you can look at creation, you can say, there's no way that this evolved. There, there has to be a creator. You can look at a tree and you can see all the, the functions of a tree and how it works and, 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 the, and the photosynthesis and receiving the carbon dioxide and emitting uh, oxygen, all this stuff. You're like, there is a God. But here's the problem. The tree cannot tell you who God is. The tree can't tell you who God is. Creation cannot tell you who God is. That's why God had to reveal himself. That's why God had to give us his word through the prophets. But then his word was not just enough. God says, I just don't want you to have my word. I want you to have me. I want you to know me personally. Yes, his word can tell us about him. But I want you to be able to see me. I want you to be able to know me personally. And so God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, sinless, so that we can see him, so that we can know God. That's why Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because Jesus Christ is the express image of the Father. What you see of Jesus is what you see of the Father. And he says, I want you to know me. I want you to know me personally. Can I tell you something? You look at lots of other religions, you'll never find a religion other than from the Bible of a God that wants his creation to know him. You know what most gods are? You serve me. You do what I tell you to do. I'm God, you obey me. God says, yes, I am God, but I want you to know me. And I want to have a personal relationship with you because I love you. You're just not a, a, a thing that part of creation. You are created in the image of God. And God says, I want you to know me. Jesus was willing to leave heaven to come to this earth so that we can know him. He has made that choice. He, cho he willingly came. Why? Because he's greater. 
Nobody else. We, we would never have done that. But Jesus did. Because of where he's from. Notice, secondly, not only where he's from, but because of what he speaks. Notice back in verse number 32. And what he seeth, excuse me, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. Think of that. Jesus says, I want you to know, whatever Jesus says, they are the words of God. Not just when he's teaching, right? It wasn't just when he was teaching that those were the words of God. It's not just the words in your Bible that are in red, right? You have the, you have the red letter edition, right? Oh, those are Jesus' words. Yeah, that, yeah, those are Jesus' words. But every single word that Jesus ever spoke was the word of God. Every word. Because he is God. Every word is the word of God. Every word was true. There is, this is what really frustrated the religious leaders about Jesus. They, could never, they couldn't find a lie that he ever told. They couldn't find anybody that ever cheated and deceived. They, they couldn't even go to his parents and say, hey, tell me something he did wrong. You're like, well, my child has never done, yeah, we know, <laughs> whatever. No, no, they really couldn't. He never did anything wrong. He never lied. He never stole. He never cheated. He never deceived. Everything he said was true. Every word he ever spoke was right. It was the words of God. And what he heard his father say, that's what he said. What he saw his father say, that's what what he did. He is... Showing us, he is the express image. He's trying to show us who the Father is. He's trying to help us understand better how we can have that relationship with God. And everything he spoke is true. He speaks the words of God. Jesus has told us exactly what he has seen, what he has heard from the Father. In John chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus said, I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and you do that which you have seen with your Father. So often, many times, a child, I can remember um, my parents had a, a couple friends here a few weeks ago that have basically known me since I was born. They, they've knew my parents before I was born, before my dad got saved, and uh, they, they've known me my whole life. And um, he, was, uh, he was here for a couple services, and I remember as we, I was leaving one day, he pulled me to the side, and uh, Wes said, hey, uh, man, I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he said, man, that reminded me so much of your dad. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That right? <laughs> was a good thing. It was a good thing. He said, I, could, I can see your dad. You said it. I could see your dad saying that the exact way. You ever, you ever remember when you were a child, you know, your parents said something. And you said in your mind, you never said it out loud. I'll never say that when I get kids. You ever remember saying that, right? You know, I remember when I was a kid, my parents would say, Andrew, do you want a whooping? Like, That's the stupidest thing to say, right? <laughs> You're asking a kid, do you want a whooping? Yeah, give me a whooping, dad. You know, no, I'm like, 
that is so dumb. I'm never going to say that to my kids. You know, that's just the... Yeah, ask my kids how many times I've asked them. Do you want a whooping? Like I said, I'd never say that. But why? Because, probably because I heard it a lot. <laughs> hey, hey, easy, easy. You don't have to agree there, Dad, right? You know. But I heard it, right? And so there, there are attributes, there are things that I, that I saw that my dad did, and, and now I do those things, and, and there are certain hand gestures and things that I do because I just saw my dad do it for so many years, you know? And, and, and this is what he's saying. Jesus is saying what he, what he has seen the Father do, what he has heard the Father speak, that's what he is telling us. He is speaking the Father. He is showing us the Father because he is greater than everything. And he speaks truth. But here's the problem. Many would not believe. No lie, no deceit, no, no dishonesty, nothing. But yet people would still not believe. Did you look at what it says here? And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. They would not believe him. Even though they could find no fault. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. There's nothing I can find that he's ever done wrong. The Jewish leaders couldn't find anything that he'd ever done wrong, but yet they would not believe. They wouldn't believe. In John chapter 5, verse number 18, the Bible says, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus was saying, I'm God, but yet they wouldn't believe him. Even after all the miracles and things that he did, they said, we do not believe you, and they wanted to stone him. Because he spoke the truth. There were some that would believe. In verse number 33, he says, He that receiveth his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Those who do believe what he says, God says they're putting their seal or their affirmation that Jesus' words are true. They are the words of God. That seal there that he's referring to, he that received the testimony has set his seal. In our day today, we would maybe use like a signature. We, you know, people will say, hey, would you sign this petition for us and let us know that you're in agreement with this so we can send it in or something like that. We would use a signature. In those days, they used a seal. They would put a seal on something showing that this is, this is approved. They approve this, Right? He's saying those that have received his testimony, it's like they're they're signing their name saying, we agree with this. We agree that his words are true. We agree. We believe that he is greater because of where he's from. We believe that he is greater because of what he says and what he speaks. And when they believe, they receive what he offers. What is it that he offers? And again, this is what makes him greater because he offers what no man can offer. He came from where no man could come. He speaks what no man can speak and he offers what no man can offer. What does he offer? Verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see the offer is? The offer is everlasting life. He came, he spoke, and he offers what no one else could. 
Look, can I tell you something? Being a part of a church, a church cannot offer you everlasting life. Being part of of a religion cannot offer you everlasting life. Getting baptized cannot get you everlasting life. Trying to keep the Ten Commandments, they cannot offer you everlasting life. I know there are religions that say, if you join our church, you join our religion, you'll have everlasting life. That is a lie. You say, how can you say that, preacher? Because Jesus said he is the only one that can offer everlasting life. Because if a church or someone else could offer everlasting life, then guess who's greater? But see, there's no one greater than Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can offer everlasting life. He's the only one that offers. And here's the thing. Everlasting life does not just mean eternity in heaven. We get this idea, oh, everlasting life. That means if I accept Jesus as my Savior, then that means I get a home in heaven, I'll be able to be with him for all of eternity. Well, that is true. That is true. If a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they believe what he says, they receive what he offers, yes, God gives them eternal life. But when does it begin? Does it begin when we die? Well, that's what some people say. Well, when you die, then you'll stand before God and then you'll be able to find out if you get to go to heaven or not. Friend, if you're waiting till you die to find out, you are too late. You're too late. You know how you know? Because watch what he says. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know what that means? It's not, he's not saying if you don't believe, then one day the wrath of God will abide on you. No, no. He says if you don't believe, the wrath of God abides on you now. That's why he says in John chapter 3 and verse number 18, uh, he that hath the son hath, or excuse me, in, uh, that's First John chapter 5, but in John chapter 3 verse number 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're already condemned if a person doesn't believe. Look, I, I was condemned for 20 years of my life. 20 years of my life I was condemned because I didn't believe. And if any time in those 20 years that I would have died, it wasn't be like, okay, I die. Now I get to stand before God and get to find out, am I condemned? Am I not condemned? No, I'm already condemned because I chose not to believe. It wasn't until I was 20 years of age that I chose to believe that what God said was true, that Jesus is greater than religion. He is greater than everything, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in him. And I accepted what he offered, that gift of everlasting life. I received it. You see, those who put their faith in Jesus possess that life now. It's now. But here's the thing. So many Christians have accepted Christ. But when we believe something, Belief produces obedience. Can I say that again? Belief produces obedience. Do you know why our country is in the shape that it's in? Because we believe 
There are no consequences. And because there are no consequences, what does that produce? Chaos. You see, belief produces action. It produces obedience, right? If I, if I don't believe, look, you, you can tell your child, straighten up, straighten up, straighten up. You better obey, you better obey, you better obey. You can tell them all you want. Why don't they obey? Because they believe you're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to do anything about it. You can, you're going to stand there until you are blue in the face saying, straighten up, straighten up, straighten up, straighten up. And their belief that you will do nothing about it causes them to keep doing wrong. You see, we believe something. That's why he says, those that choose not to believe are already condemned. They have chosen to believe that Jesus is not greater, that they can somehow get to heaven on their own. So I'm not going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to believe in something else. I'm going to believe in a church. I'm going to believe in a religion. I'm going to believe in baptism. I'm going to believe in the Ten Commandments. I'm going to believe that I'm a good person. So I believe in those things. And watch what it does. It produces action and obedience of what they want. But here's the thing. If a Christian truly believes that Jesus is greater, then it ought to produce obedience to Jesus Christ. But here's the problem. Many Christians do not believe Jesus is greater. Oh, we would never say that with our mouth. But our actions prove it. Jesus is not greater. And that's why I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need him. I don't need his word. I don't, I don't need the family of God. I don't need the church that he bought and paid for with his own blood. I don't need them. I, I don't need to be obedient to him. I'll just live my life the way I want to live it. You see, what are we doing? We are proving that we do not believe that Jesus is greater. Remember what John said? John said, he is preferred before me. He is better than me. He is greater than I am. And so therefore, because of that, I understand who I am. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. But somehow we've gotten this idea that somehow we have it figured out better than what Jesus does. We know more than Jesus knows. And therefore, Jesus is not greater in our lives. You know how I know that? Because I look at Christians' lives. Just look at their life. Miserable, discouraged, have no desire to serve God, but yet they have time for everything else. What are they saying? I am greater than Jesus. My plans are greater 
than Jesus' plans. My will, my desire is greater than Jesus's. Okay, you want to live like that? But you're going to live discouraged, miserable, unfulfilled lives as a Christian. It's not until we truly understand and believe that Jesus is greater. Look, we're going to, go, we're going to be looking at some very specific things through this study. And that's why I said this is, just, this is the foundation because if we truly don't believe that Jesus is greater, then the things that we're going to look that he's greater at, we're not even going to agree with. We're not going to agree that Jesus is greater than religion. We're not going to agree that Jesus is greater than anxiety. We're not going to agree that Jesus is greater than hopelessness. We're not going to agree that Jesus is greater than anything. Because I'm greater. And I'm going to do what I want to do. What's happened? And what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Jesus is saying, if anybody ought to believe that he is greater, it ought to be his own kids. It ought to be his own children that believe that he is greater than everything else. And yet, it's so sad, so often, so many of his own children do not think that he is greater. That's why they have no time for him. No time for him. No time to serve him. No time to follow him. I'm not going to be obedient to him. Why? Because he's not greater. Friend, if you're here this morning and you think that somehow by what you do or by being part of a religion or something that that's going to help you to get to heaven, to get everlasting life, friend, can I tell you as kindly as I can, you're wrong. You're wrong. The only way is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You know how I know that? Because Jesus is the only one that's been there and been here. He left heaven, came to earth, and he's trying to tell us how we can get to heaven. He's greater because of where he came from. He's greater because of what he speaks. He's telling you the truth. You're not going to find a lie in anything that he says. He's speaking the truth, but are we listening? He's greater because of what he offers. He offers you everlasting life that no one else can. It's only through him. Is he truly greater in our lives? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking about this morning, Friend, maybe you're here today and, and you don't know if you were to die, where you would go. You say, I'd, I'd like to know. I, I wish I knew if I died where I would go. But Pastor, I, I really don't. I thought maybe it was religion, being part of a church, being good. I thought those things helped me to get to heaven. And I really do not know if I died today, where I would be. Say, Pastor, that's me. 
I'm just going to be honest this morning. That, that's me. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you or call you out or anything. But I would like to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, that's me, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about, just me. Just slip it up and say, Pastor, pray for me and put it right back down. Yes, God bless you. Someone else, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm really saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. Pastor, pray for me. Just slip it up and put it right back down. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation, and if that's you this morning, you're not sure if you would truly like to know how to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved and how you can have that everlasting life that Jesus offers. But Christian, this this question is for you. Do you really believe that Jesus is greater than everything? He's greater than all. He's greater than anything that you're going to go through in life. He's greater than your family. He's greater than your job. He's greater than your plans. Do you really believe that Jesus is greater? Or is there something keeping you from following him? Is there something in your life that's holding you back? And you say, yeah, I just, I don't believe Jesus is greater than this. I've, I've been trying to work on this myself. I've been trying to figure it out myself. But I recognize I need to yield this to Jesus because he is greater. He's the only one that can figure it out. He's the only one that can know what to do with it. So often, we keep things in our life thinking that somehow we can handle it. Friend, you can't. That's why Jesus is greater. He's greater than you and me, and he's greater than anything that you and I can go through. The question is, will we believe him? Will we believe him and obey him and truly follow him? Father, I pray you'd work this morning in our hearts. Lord, for those that may not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, that they would have that desire and that we could take the Word of God and show them how to be saved. Lord, for Christians this morning, that we would truly admit and believe in our heart that you are greater. And Lord, that that would be evidenced by our obedience to you. Lord, if there's something in our life this morning It's keeping us from obeying you. Lord, may this morning be when we yield that to you and say, Lord, I'm tired of holding on to this. I'm going to give it to you because you truly are greater than everything. Lord, work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together to our feet this morning.